This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Our guest is Daniel Humland. Thanks for being on the show, Daniel. Thank you, Whitney. It's a pleasure to be here. Daniel is an engineer at Intel who started and runs the Real Estate Investment Education Club at Intel. He also owns a real estate investment firm named Alon Capital LLC, where he partners with people to purchase multifamily investment properties. Daniel is also the host of Win Multifamily Show, a show that focuses on learning to move from Wall Street to Main Street. Love that. So, Daniel, thank you again. Give the listeners a little more about your background and getting into the syndication business. And let's jump in to this transition that you're helping people with. And, and you got a whole podcast on it. So I'm looking forward, forward to learning more myself. Absolutely. So um, as you said, I'm, I'm an engineer at Intel that uh, has been my day job for, you know, 20 some years. But at somewhere along the line, they, they actually figured out that I was a software developer who could actually speak to people too. And so I, I transitioned into the role of a, a teacher and I've been with the, develop, uh, the developer relations group at Intel ever since. And that's actually parlayed quite well into the investment world as well, because I work with investors on syndications like a lot of us in this space do. And it's a technical, complicated area. And so we really focus on trying to make it a a clear avenue for people that have full time jobs and to show them a clear way that they can get involved in getting their investments, you know, from Wall Street to Main Street. Nice. Now, I think it's it's a great resource when you can show people that. I think it's a, it's something in our industry that investors, uh, there's a, a blind spot there, right? When you've been second in Wall Street or the stock market, you know, for forever, that's all you've been told your whole life. It's hard to believe that there's this option over here where you can just go and invest with somebody <laughs> in real estate. And so, you know, so let's, let's dive into that a little bit, Daniel. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've, especially doing a podcast on it now, just in where you work as well, that you've been able to grow probably your knowledge base and, and your ability to help uh, investors that are in that path or in that place. Uh, so get us started a little bit on helping us show somebody that clear way, or maybe how you do it from, you know, Wall Street to, to Main Street. All right. You know, one of the first things that you need to do, of course, is have a clear vision yourself of what you're trying to do. And and I started back, uh, real estate has always kind of been in my family. I learned about real estate really from my grandparents, who my grandfather worked for International Harvester his entire career. And then it was only once he retired that he and my grandma decided to go in and purchase. They purchased a 125-unit building together with their with their brother. And it was actually only once he retired that he started building actual generational wealth, which he left to my parents. And it was more than he had accumulated in his entire W-2. And I was 10 years old when this happened and watching the entire process. And so I've, I've, I've done some single family home investing along the way. I, I rode the wave of 2008 in single family homes. But I actually really got around to investing in syndications in 2000. 17 or so, mostly listening to uh, Joe Fairless and to your podcast. Uh, so thank you very much for, for doing that. I learned a ton from just the past podcasts that you've done. And in doing that, I decided, hey, I need to figure out this real estate syndication business. And so I kind of looked at it in two different ways. I said, well, I can go find somebody who can be a mentor to me and to educate me, or I can go educate myself with people that are already doing it. 
And so I, I actually chose that second route. I, I became a limited partner in a syndication down in Houston, Texas. It was a 56-unit syndication. Uh, it was called Sycamore Grove. It was uh, in Pasadena, Houston. And it turned out to be a pivotal point for me because when I invested with them, I asked them for all of the paperwork. I asked them for the legal work, the insurance, the underwriting, the, 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 all the papers that were associated with the rent roll and T12s. And I went through the whole thing and just really made sure I understood what was going on. And I did a lot of emailing with them, just back and forth, great, pleasant conversation. I started doing some small tasks for them to help them in their business. And eventually, I guess they appreciated it enough that uh, they invited me to be a co-GP on one of their deals, or two of their deals, actually. And so I did my first co-GP in Houston, Texas as well, 122 unit, and then a, a second one. I'm involved in raising capital and asset management on both of these. The second one was 196 units. And these were great experiences. I was part of the key principal package there. So I also got my Fannie Mae card doing that. And then I decided, hey, I've got to bring my business to the next level. And so I went out and I just started talking to other investors. And I actually ended up joining, I, I interviewed a couple of different groups and I ended up joining the Mark Kenny Think Multifamily Group. So I'm, I'm part of that group as well. And we are trying to align ourselves with people that are strong in this business in terms of boots on the ground, in terms of relationships with brokers and loan officers. And we're building our business from there. Nice. You know, the path that you took, you know, you, you found somebody that was already doing it and you used that to help educate yourself by partnering with other operators, but ultimately by investing first, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something you recommend if somebody can, uh, you know, before they're actually going to get into the syndication business and try to be a, a syndicator operator? Do you, you know, do you usually advise say, hey, you know, why don't you invest passively first uh, just to learn a little more about the industry or or not? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a progression, an educational progression. I recommend people listen to podcasts and read books first, to be honest. And then once once they have an understanding of the process, then they can venture out a little bit farther. And yeah, I, I recommend that they passively invest in somebody else's syndication, somebody who has a track record, somebody whose track record you can dig into and investigate. Uh, in the case of this group, they had already done seven syndications before, and they had a good track record, good returns. I could go through and investigate all of it. I ran a criminal background check on them, just you know, just in case. <laughs> wow. But um, definitely go and investigate it and learn everything you can from passively syndicating. And, and a lot of people will want to keep it there because... A lot of the people, for instance, at Intel that I work with, they have full-time jobs and uh, they're very busy people and they are not specialists in real estate. They're specialists in engineering and marketing and HR. And so for a lot of people, you know, that's, that's the sweet spot to be. But then some people like to get their hands a little dirty and they want to continue going on to an active manager route. And so for those people, we actually, I love talking and working with those people as well. Awesome. Well, well, let's let's talk about the the people who have been in Wall Street, you know, in, in the stock market for most of their life. Those people that you're helping to really break that that mindset, right? That this is the only way. This is you know the way everybody's done it. You know, uh, and and I just think there's you got to learn a little bit, right? And it's out, maybe outside of your comfort zone a little bit to you know to jump into a syndication. But uh, but uh, you know, I'd like to hear just how you've helped some people that have really uh, maybe only invested in the stock market to really open their eyes to this opportunity. Sure. So uh, one of the first things that I did was I realized at Intel that there is a stock investment club, there is a startup investment club, but there was no real estate club. 
So I immediately went to Intel HR and I said, I want to run the real estate investment education club at Intel. And it's a club where there, there are no sales pitches whatsoever. It is purely educational. People come in, you know, they can talk about what they do in their business and leave their contact information afterwards so that others can contact them if they wish. But uh, it's it's really opened my eyes to the spectrum of types of real estate investments that that busy individuals like to do. Some of them are in, a lot of them are interested in things like house hacking. And so we bring guests in on those topics. We bring guests in on on a mortgage note investment, on buying mobile home parks, on buying single family homes. It's a large amount of the uh, talks that we do there. So it's a generalized real estate group. And it's great to really get to know the, the people that are there and just to understand where they're coming from in their investment process. So I've been running that now for almost a year. And we do weekly guests. We bring in people every week to, to speak at that group. It's grown to a couple hundred people now. And you were a guest there not too long ago. As I recall, we had a little over 300 people for that particular group. Yeah, but awesome. I was very thankful that you were there. It was a great, great group. But I think sitting down and talking to people one-on-one is the best way to get to know them. Just hearing you know, what their, what their issues are, where they want to be in three years, how they're going to get there and uh, understanding and helping them with their real estate. I recently actually just had a person come up and ask me to be a mentor to them at Intel in terms of real estate. And so I'm starting to put together a curricula for not 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 something that's paid, just a one-on-one, you know, sitting down and let's talk about real estate and let's figure out what works for you type program. So it's it's been an exciting journey and it's all about the people that are in that journey. Thank you for being with us every day on the Real Estate Syndication Show. I've got a gift for you, but I want to ask that you will leave a written rating and review on iTunes. If you'll send a screenshot to info at LifeBridge Capital of that review and a mailing address, I want to send you one of my recommended monthly books. What's been some of the pushback that you've received from people who say, oh, wait a minute, Daniel, you know, I've seen the stock market work for this many years or as long as you keep investing, you know, I, how can I trust some operator over here that's going to go, you know, blow all our money in, in some real estate deal? Yeah, I mean, so I haven't got a lot of pushback in that area yet, to be honest. It's probably because, you know, to be honest, it probably just goes silent. It's the people that I don't hear from that are that are thinking like that more. Probably so. But we have had a lot of people that have said, you know, just what is the process and how do I know that I can trust these people? And once once you start bringing them through the process of explaining, hey, the SEC requires that we establish a relationship with you ahead of time. It requires that we be partners in this business, that we know your accreditation status and all the different things that the SEC requires. Once that process is explained through and how a real estate syndication works, most people get it. And so I, I really find that the, the obstacle is more one of education than anything else. Yeah. So I guess elaborate then on, on how you're going about educating some of these people or maybe some things as we're speaking to investors, we're speaking maybe even at a small event, you know, or something like that. What are some things that you're, you're sure to highlight about the syndication business as you're speaking to, you know, these investors and, you know, just why they, I know they're busy professionals, right, but why they should invest in real estate? Right. The number one thing, and, and I take a lot of these reasons from my own personal experience. And so the reason why I got into real estate is because as an engineer, I realized I could sit down and calculate out and look at someone's five-year projection on a particular piece of property. And I couldn't do that with my stocks. 
And so I said, well, hey, if I want to build a plan where I can retire, then I need to start doing some projections so that I can actually understand where my money is and where it's going. And I, I think that's a really powerful argument for talking about real estate in that you can talk about the projections and you can talk about why they're recession resistant or why, you know, there might be exposure to a, a particular sector of the economy. You can tell the, the strengths and weaknesses of a particular real estate and re- deal and talk about them in depth. And so just being able to go through and dissect that. And you would not believe some of the <laughs> engineers give you so many questions when you send out information about a syndication. I, I have sat down and literally written, you know, four, four hour emails answering questions that people will come up with uh, about a particular deal that's gone through and all the numbers and how they work. And it's incredibly detailed. And so I, I really enjoy real estate because you can go through and you have a knowledge about the resistance to financial circumstances, and you can make projections based off of it. Our guest is Derek Clifford. Derek, welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, David. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me on. So Derek is a successful multifamily real estate investor, building out a small portfolio of single family rentals and small multifamily commercial buildings out of state while working a full-time job. Today, he is a multifamily investor controlling over 200 apartment units with over $2 million in assets under management. He's also the author of Part-Time Real Estate Investing for Full-Time Professionals and a podcast host of the Elevate Your Equity show. He and his wife, Sophie, work together in real estate and in her wellness coaching program as advisors and coaches for each other. So Derek, honored to have you on the show today. Excited to get into your story and share that with the Real Estate Syndication Show listeners. If you can, we just give you a a very brief bio there, but maybe give us some insight into your background and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, sure, David. And thanks for, again, having me on and allowing me to share the story with the audience. It's great to be here. But in general, we started off investing in real estate by accident. My wife had a condo that she had purchased back in 2008, a couple of months before the real estate crash. So we saw the value on her condo evaporate from 250K, which she paid for down to like $80,000. And by the time she came to graduate in 2012, I believe, around that time period, we still hadn't gotten enough appreciation to be able to even break even on the property. So it was technically underwater the whole time. So at the time, you know, we started dating and I was moving out to Washington State. We got engaged. We didn't know what to do with this property because it was kind of underwater and we didn't know. And she got a residency offer in the Bay Area and she was up in Washington State at the time. So in order for her to leave that property behind, we had to either write a check or figure out some sort of creative solution. So Sophie's family, they have rental properties in Austin, Texas, where they currently reside right now. And we decided to do that. We just decided, hey, let's put these things out and let's try to rent them for a little while because we couldn't afford the check. Like We had all these student loans and stuff to pay off. So... We ended up doing that. And as we were driving from Washington down to the Bay Area in California for her residency, we got our first rental collections check. And then the gear started turning. I started to think to myself, well, man, you know, if this is something that we did on accident, what would happen if we really tried to do this on purpose? And so right after that, you know, came a slew of learning how to invest in real estate from bigger pockets and from a bunch of different materials online. And so we just spent a lot of time learning and figuring out like what the next step was. 
And so, you know, the passion just kind of built up from there. And then I started meeting people and we tried it out ourselves on a single family in the Bay Area, did a 1031 exchange. And that turned into like seven properties in, in the Midwest and then kind of doubled down in the Midwest, continued to build a portfolio while working a full-time job and then started to get into multifamily once we maxed out the number of loans that we could take as a single family investor. And so once we got to that point, you know, we started building our network up and the compound effect starts taking hold. And then there's like kind of a hockey stick effect. You know, we started getting into syndications and learning from some mentors, started raising capital. And that's when the limiter just kind of flew off the engine. And so we're able to fully do what we want to do. And basically the only limiter now is our time and what deals we want to pursue. Well, I love it. And that's a very, very condensed version of this journey that you've been on. And so what I'd love for you to do is just maybe shed some light on what your business looks like today and what you guys are focused on. And then I want to go back and fill in some of the gaps of how you got to what you guys are focused on today. Yeah. So today we have a lot of stuff going on. We have our podcast. We have a book as well that we're also trying to help spread the message to people that are working full-time jobs that there is a way out. It takes time and effort. But if you partner up with the right people or if you have the right intention, if you have consistency and if you have mentorship and if you have focus, if you can combine those things together, then you can create an active business on your own and start building your own single families and everything. So what we try to teach people how to do all of that, right? You can either be on the active side or the passive side. Either way, we want you just to get started as a W-2 employee. And a big piece of that is working with your spouse. Having your spouse on board with you is going to be one of the most important ways that you can multiply your efforts in your portfolio. Because if things go wrong, when your spouse doesn't sign off or doesn't agree with what you're doing or understand what, what you're doing, it's pretty easy to understand what would happen if when that happens, right? Like, obviously, if your spouse sees things aren't going well for something she didn't endorse or he didn't endorse, that's a problem. If things end up actually going well, right, where you have all this excess of cash flow and then your significant other sees that as a payday and not as something which was you would want to do is to turn around and reinvest it to multiply the profits even more. That might also cause strife. So getting on the same page with your spouse is another thing that we're really passionate about. But in general, David, what we do is we just raise capital. We find capital partners and we work together with them to educate them and bring them into the business and partner up with them on apartment buildings. I love it. Yeah. You mentioned a few things that I want to dive a little bit deeper into. The first is working a full-time job while getting started in this space. What were some of the biggest challenges or as you're educating and guiding and directing people through this, what are some of the biggest challenges that those people face working full-time, W-2 employee, but also breaking into the real estate investing world? Yeah. You know, as a full-time employee, you have a lot of pressure because you have time commitments, you have time constraints, most likely you have a family or some sort of relationship commitments. And so your energy and your time and the relationships and the things around you is not stacked up in your favor to start to get another side business up off the ground. And so I think by, by really being intentional and having the intention and the consistency and then the network and the mentors to put in place, you can build a system for yourself to be able to consistently contribute time or energy or the networking effort to be able to devote to your craft. So I think the main challenge, at least for me, back when I was working a full-time job, I've since left the job about six weeks ago, which is really cool. I'm now retired and working completely in real estate. Thank you. And I remember just working at the job is like, it was a mindset thing. 
you don't think you can do it because you have this fallback plan. You have the full-time job to be able to rely on if things don't go well. And so by having this real estate thing on the side, you're building up skills. So it just takes some time to be able to do that. So you have to allow yourself some time to learn this business and to get to know lots of people. I think that that's also the major challenge. And what's behind all of that is the mindset, the will to make it happen, what the vision is. Because if you have a vision, right? Or if you have a strong why, then the how gets legs. And that's all it takes. Love it. Great insight. And you mentioned these three things twice now, intention slash consistency, a mentor and a network. When you're guiding people and helping them with that first step, intention and consistency, what does that need to look like for someone who is still W-2 with ambition to get out of their W-2 and go into real estate full time? Or maybe they want to stay in their W-2 long term but just want to be involved in real estate. Let's start with the individual that's wanting to eventually make the transition, right? From an intention and consistency perspective, what does that need to look like for them? I'll tell you one thing, David. If it's not on your calendar, it's not a priority. So basic answer here is time block out that time every day that you're going to be devoting to your craft, whether it's building a network, whether it's learning, listening to podcasts or reading books or going out on forums and talking with other investors, anything that you feel you need to do, even if it's something to just build your plan, like what am I going to do with my hour, right? Taking an hour every day to do that, that's the consistent effort that worked for me. So as a full-time employee, usually you know the work starts at a certain time in the morning every day. And so you can either take your lunch hour. I don't recommend the lunch hour because you can get distracted and pulled in different places. So I usually recommend doing things in the morning before the day starts. That way, when the day ends, you don't have to have that willpower or stamina after the day is over to devote to the craft. So if it's really important to you, it's a priority and it happens first thing. It's an hour, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is, just know that it's a consistent effort that's going to get you there. And even if it's just to plan out what you're going to do with your time, that's the most important thing. Yeah, great tip. And then as far as finding a mentor, I assume that that was a step that you took. Maybe it wasn't, maybe you navigate it on your own, but maybe give us some guidance for that individual that's W-2 employee. They've started to carve out some time in their day, whether that be in the morning or after work, or maybe they choose to do it at lunch, but they've carved out some time in their day to be able to focus on this aspect of their life. How important is that mentor piece and what's the best way to go about finding one? Yeah, David, I would say that mentorship piece is everything because as a business owner, right, which you can consider yourself a business owner if you have the intention to start to build your portfolio, you can start running in a direction, but that's just it. It's a direction. How do you know if you're running closer to your goal or if you're running further away from it? You just don't know, or if you're just wasting time. So if you don't have a mentor to be able to ask questions like, is this right for me? Or what is the end product look like? or what worked for you, that will help you become way more efficient with the consistency time block that you're setting up. So that's why I think mentors are super important. Even if you have to pay for them, I think it's well worth it. And an easy way to do that would be, number one, go out and find free meetups in your local area. Like go to meetup.com or go onto some forums somewhere online and see if you can find some people who are investing either out of state or locally, depending on where you are, and just do that. You know, it's really easy to do that. And you can set that up inside of your time block. You can plan it out and say, okay, I'm going to be out there at this time, right? You can do that and work around your schedule for something that works. And once you're there, start talking with folks and see 
look for people that are maybe one or two steps ahead of you because they're going to give you a little bit more advice. They're going to get you the advice that you need. But if you try to go straight to like the Uber mentors, right? If you try to go straight to the speaker, I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying that, but most likely you're not going to really get too much of their attention because based on the questions you ask, if you haven't done your homework, they're going to tell that you're really new and it's not worth their time, unfortunately, to be able to start to work with you and put lots of time into you. So once you do find those people, take them out to lunch. It's a magical thing when you treat people for some sort of meal that you're giving them value in a different way, right? Like they're going to give you value in the form of their knowledge or their experience. And if you take them out to lunch, that's something that they would value. So everyone needs to eat, right? So that's a couple of ways that I would start. And then once you get up there in the mentorship and you want to start to get further along in the mentorship space, start asking that question to your network. So start asking, who do you guys like? Or, you know, you see someone with rapid success, you ask them who they're talking to. And it turns out it may be a paid coach or it may be someone else that they're working with on other stuff. And then you try to get yourself aligned with those folks and just really be curious and helpful and try to add as much value as you can by taking people out to lunch or making connections or offering to do stuff for them. That's pretty much how it all works. Yeah. And you touched on the third, I think, with this goal of finding a mentor, but the network. What do you mean by that? We talked about those intention and consistency, the mentor, and then the network. What do you mean by the network? Oh, man, David, the network is almost everything. Network is basically just finding people that would be potential team members. So that could be property managers. It could be other agents. It can be contractors, but it also can be other investors. And at the very beginning, it should be other investors because those people will help guide you and they'll help tell you. And they're put yourself in your position. If you were someone who is further along and someone asks you a question, why not share your knowledge? It doesn't hurt anyone at all. There's plenty of real estate to go around for everyone. And not everyone's looking for the same thing and the same approaches. So just asking, being curious and being in genuine and authentic, that's going to go a long way. And the network helps build you options. Because if you can find someone, let's say that you're really good at underwriting and you don't like to talk with lots of people, but another person is really good at talking with people, but doesn't know numbers. Well, that sounds to me like you can probably work together on a few things, right? You can both have something to bring to the table and you guys can do incredible things together. And that doesn't happen until you start figuring out who is around you. So finding that fit, right? Finding the people out there to network with, and finding people that may need you or you need them. I think that's the thing. And then the other thing too that it enables, David, is it allows you to understand what your options are. Because sometimes you only know what you know. But if there's other people doing some really incredible things or inspiring things, you might want to try following or learning what they're doing, right? And then try to replicate that model or maybe modify it a little bit. So those are a couple things. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 